This is Dr. Stephen Lambert with a vital prophetic message to the church that Jesus is building in this last hour before the return of Christ. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that He is revealing in this hour concerning the church Jesus is building is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. And I want to begin this message with the reading of several passages of Scripture that are very vital and foundational to this message. I begin with Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And in this case, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain, which often falls on it, and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. But, beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. And then, without reading the entire passage again, I want to quote from the Young's literal translation of this same passage 
just in the first few lines. Wherefore, having left the word of the beginning of the Christ, unto the perfection we may advance, not again a foundation laying of reformation from dead works and of faith on God, of the teaching of baptisms, of laying on also of hands, of rising again also of the dead, and of judgment age during, and this we will do if God may permit. For it is impossible for those once enlightened, having tasted also of the heavenly gift, and partakers having became of the Holy Spirit, and did taste the good saying of God, the powers also of the coming age, and having fallen away, again to renew them to reformation, having crucified again to themselves the Son of God, and exposed to public shame. And again, I've read that in order to show the distinction and some of the things that are being said in the literal translation, that is the Young's literal translation. And then also in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, in the New American Standard Bible, we see a passage that is very applicable to this prophetic message. And it says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter time, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. And then also another very apropos scripture to this topic is found in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 12. Again, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it, and we'll see soon what this it that he's talking about is, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called god or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end 
by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshiper. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the Word of God to the world, the Real Truth Radio Network at realtruthradio.com. Believers in Christ, members of the body of Christ, it is vital that we understand in these last closing minutes of the last hour before the return of Christ, that we are living in an hour of gross and pervasive deception and massive multitudes who have, quote, a form of righteousness, but denying, quote, the power thereof, end quote, of true righteousness is the Holy Spirit the third member of the Godhead, whom those living in deception and apostasy unawares have denied, refused, rejected. Jesus clearly and unambiguously stated, you shall receive power after that or when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, upon you, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Acts 1.8. Now, this is not talking about the Holy Spirit coming in you or the infusion of the Holy Spirit into your human spirit that takes place at the moment of salvation or the moment of the rebirth or the moment a person is genuinely born again. This passage of Scripture must not be confused with the infilling of the Spirit. 
the infusion of the Spirit that takes place at salvation. Jesus was not talking about that here in Acts 1.8. He was clearly talking about you will receive power after that or when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's an entirely different thing than when the Holy Spirit comes in you at the rebirth. Now, it is vital to understand there is no other way to have power operating in your life than to be immersed or baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there is no way to receive the baptism or immersion in the Spirit than to first be born again and thereby become a regenerated, reborn, spiritually restored believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, spiritually adopted into the royal family of God having been made a partaker in the divine nature. 2 Peter 1.4 Multitudes around the world today are walking in total religious deception in which they are attempting to gain right standing with or relate with God or some being higher than mere humanity in their thinking, but Jesus rebuked everyone in every age who would attempt to connect to Almighty God, the creator of the universe, through any other way but himself. The Bible says in Mark chapter 7, verses 6 through 9, that Jesus said, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart, their heart, is far away from me. The word heart and spirit is interchangeable in the Bible. When a person is born again, it is his heart that is born again, not his soul. James one twenty one tells us that the word implanted is able to save our souls. But Jesus clearly said that when a person is born again, that part of them that is born again is not their soul, but their spirit or their heart. Again, going back to what Jesus said, having said that, he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they. Who is the they here? People whose heart is far away from God and Jesus, who is God. In vain do they worship me. It is vain. It is total vanity for someone who has not been born again, who has not genuinely received 
the infusion of the Holy Spirit that comes through being born again. Jesus said, you must be born again. It is vain for those to attempt to worship God who have not been born again. It's total vanity. Again, listen to what Jesus said. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. That's what religion does. Religious people do not teach the real truth of the Word of God. Religious people teach as doctrines the precepts of men. They're human precepts. You cannot really understand the Word of God until you have been born again. And therefore, you cannot teach the truth of the Word of God unless and until you have been born again. A person who has not been born again cannot possibly teach the truth. They can't possibly know the truth. Because Jesus said, if you abide in my word, and that includes being born again, if you abide in my word, then shall you know the truth. The truth does not automatically set us free. It's what we know of the truth. And the truth is the truth that emanates from God. And it emanates from God through his word, his written word that he gave to us. The 66 books of closed canon called the Bible. Jesus went on to say that neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. Religion is full of tradition full of tradition. And he went on to say about tradition, Jesus speaking, he was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. People full of religion will lift up tradition above the word of God. Tradition, traditional teachings of a so-called church. Well, it's not a true church if it's not preaching the truth of the Word of God. And religion lifts up tradition above the commandments of God. That's what Jesus said here. Enjoying this podcast? Please take a minute to pray if the Lord would have you help us with the substantial financial burden of this program. We receive no grants or funding from any organization or government agency and have no other means of support than the gracious and generous giving of our listeners. SLM Inc. bears the entire burden. In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash S-L-M-I-N-C to give any amount. Thank you for your gifts, generosity, and graciousness. Moreover, Jesus stated categorically and unequivocally that he and he alone was the way, the truth, and the life of God. 
and that no man, no man, no man, woman, or person comes to the Father except by and through him. John 14, 6. He also declared he is the door into the kingdom and fellowship with God, into the kingdom of God, and into fellowship with God. He, Jesus, is the passage way. Jesus is the passageway, the only passageway. He is the door. Now, why is this deception that I'm speaking about so prevalent and ubiquitous in this hour in which we are living here today? While in some ways the answer to that question is complex and many-fold or many-faceted, and we don't have the time here and now to delve into all of that, nevertheless, the overall and primary reason behind the deception is that people have refused and rejected the clearly articulated and revealed way of God unto the Heavenly Father, who is Almighty God, that is found in the Word of God. People have departed from the faith, as this, these passages indicated that I read before. And it says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, 1 Timothy 4.1. The King James Version of that passage evokes the term, depart from the faith. Depart from the faith. They will depart from the faith. Now, the key word here is the faith. Ephesians 4 declares there is one faith. This means that there is only one genuine faith, just one. And that genuine faith is a faith that is not only in God, but it is also of, meaning from, God. Ephesians 2.8 tells us that. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, meaning, and that faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God. So again, it's of and from God. True, genuine faith doesn't come from us. It comes from God. We can't have our own faith. It is a gift of God that is given to those who believe. Yes, it's a paradox. You have to believe first, then you get the gift. You have to accept, then you get the gift of faith. And anyone who believes, believes because God has given that gift to mankind in order to believe. If God didn't give that gift originally to mankind, nobody would be able to believe. So faith originates with God. God had to even give that to us so that we could believe. So nobody should take credit for even their being born again in any way, shape, or form. It's a gift of God. If you're born again, it's because it's a gift from God. 
The true, genuine, saving faith comes from God and not ourselves. That's the important thing to recognize what I'm speaking about here. Now, the key issue is how does a person attain then this genuine faith, the faith, and not a false faith or a faith of deception? A faith of deception, a deceiving faith, inspired and engendered by those deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons that were mentioned in the passages I read before. A vital question. The answer is simple, straightforward, and uncomplicated. And that answer is found in one passage of Scripture in Romans 10, 17. Now listen carefully. So faith comes. I love that Scripture every time I read it. So faith comes. It does come. Thank God. We don't have to be searching for it. We don't have to be trying to manufacture it ourselves. We don't have to produce like man does. And people of religiosity, they try to produce some kind of a faith of their own. That's not genuine faith. Genuine faith flows from God into us. It says, so faith comes. Faith comes from hearing. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing. Faith comes. From hearing. How does faith come? From hearing. And hearing by the word of God. This is simple and straightforward. It's uncomplicated. It says right there where faith comes from. It comes from God. And it comes by the word of Christ. And hearing by the word of Christ. The message of Christ. The word of Christ. And the words that Christ spoke, and every single word in the Holy Bible, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, was and is God-breathed. It's not from man. Man penned it. Man scribed what God spoke into their spirit. But every word that's in the Bible is God-breathed. It came from God. Reconnecting this with the starting point of this message, pressing on to genuine spiritual maturity is arriving at or obtaining as the final outcome, the destination, this genuine faith. The real deal, real genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that is congruous with or in accordance with the genuine word of Christ which is the genuine gospel of Christ, the genuine good news gospel of Christ. The whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you believe in him, you will not perish ever. You'll never die, but have everlasting life. Oh, now your physical body will die. That's right. It is appointed unto man wants to die. Everyone will die, even those taken up in the rapture. They'll leave their body behind, and that body will die. But your spirit will never die. Your spirit will never die. It's an everlasting spirit that has been infused with the Zoe life of God, and God can never die. 
But in order to press on to maturity, we, or one, a person, must leave the word of the beginning. You must leave it. Leave it behind. Oh, it's a part of our foundation. But you cannot camp out there speaking only the word of the beginning. Like a little baby. You can't go ga ga goo goo your whole life. You got to leave that at some point. We must leave the word of the beginning, the word of beginners, the word of spiritual newborns and infants and toddlers and teenagers and adolescents and spiritually immature adults and move on to comprehend, apprehend, walk in the more advanced teachings, principles, purposes, and plans of God. Oh, did you hear what I said? We have to move on. We're required to. We have to move on at some point in our life. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God, all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.